0: been asked to introduce myself. Uh, In a nutshell, I am a child who has found his home and is very happy about it. So, I am a psychologist by choice and profession, and a poet and philosopher by temperament and predilection. And that's about it. Coming to the issue of uh, science, uh, where parallel lines meet, of course, uh, given the theme of the subject, uh, we are speaking right now about science and spirituality, where these two lines meet. And we start with a little bit of, a little poem from Sri uh, uh, one of the magnificent many poems, A Vision of Science, where he speaks of the background is that religion has uh, been thrown aside by science, and science is uh, holding the earth um, mesmerized. And then religion, while it's passing away, it tells to science, Um, I, thou thinkest, term and end for thee are not. But though thy pride is great, thou hast forgot these things that waits for thee beside the way. All questions thou mayest answer but one day. Her question shall await thee. That reply, for they who cannot die. She slays them and their mangled bodies lie upon the highways of eternity, therefore if thou wouldst answer, therefore if thou wouldst conquer, answer first this one thing, who art thou in this dungeon library? I think this sets the problem and the solution very beautifully. Um, One of the basic problems of all of us, leave aside philosophy is, even in philosophy, why there is something instead of nothing in this universe and uh, in 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 philosophical terms it can be resolved into two fundamental questions the the first mystery of life is not death it is birth and uh, this problem can be put philosophically as the there are three things if we understand them we'll understand the whole cosmos one is existence the second is consciousness and the third is the relation between the two that's about all if we understand these three things we understand everything because there is a way science tries to understand existence and it tries to make existence or objects separate from itself it's something objective and another way to understand existence is by understanding the subjective self, the sense of the self how does existence, this totality, experience itself so there is a point where these two meet and that's the point one has to discover so this is about existence the second is consciousness and this is a big debate going on in the field of science and one can say um, 10 years back when I used to take some interest in these debates the balance was 50-50. Scientists were hotly debating where, whether consciousness is prima facie, a fundamental fact of existence or it is something like a byproduct of neuronal babbles. So this was the debate going on. I don't know what is the current situation but it was uh, you know, scientifically and mathematically and rationally it was tilted uh, equal in favor of each other. So if consciousness is a byproduct of neurons then all of our discussion collapses. Then what I am talking is nothing but my neurons sticking and it has no validity because after all they are just neurons. They can really do nothing much and we should not really be listening to each other and trying to understand each other because ultimately it's nothing but matter and dust, under dust, unto dust to lie, sans song, sans wine, Sans singer, sans end. This of course Omar Khayyam in his uh, beautiful um, uh, Rubaiyat. So this is one of the issues that is consciousness primary? Not even energy, not even consciousness is there a being? This is another enigma. uh, Another point of departure between science and spiritual seeking. Science engages with reality with only a small little part. And that part is the physical mind. Of course um, we make much about it. And we rely heavily on it. In fact, Sri Aurobindo says there are three lines along which human beings have sought reality. One, the the line of science which is primarily the physical mind which depends heavily upon the data of the senses. Now the problem is that we we are discovering scientifically that this data of the senses is a very imperfect data. And if we really rely heavily on it, it will be very difficult For uh, let's say the organizers of this um, uh, beautiful conference that at the end of it there is a tea and if somebody were to ask are you really uh, hungry and if you said yes and the person asked prove it, it will be really very difficult. So you know that's where subjective knowledge comes in. We accept as a fact of common experience that hunger is a fact or I get angry, it's a fact. It need not manifest in outward signs. So that's the subjective side of reality. So, physical mind tries to understand reality purely on the basis of the data of the senses. It's instrument reason and that's what science is. Leaving aside its uh, philosophical connotation where it actually steps beyond its field. The second approach towards reality is um, of course uh, philosophy. Philosophy is the approach of the intellectual mind which sometimes picks up data and sometimes goes on its own and tries to search for meaning and tries to look for rational links in this universe. But what if there is no rational link? What if the universe is simply an unfolding of the great delight, waves after waves of delight unfolding itself? We presume that there must be rational links within the universe, and rash, rational the way we understand reason, based on a limited data. The third approach towards the reality has been the approach of the dynamic spiritualizing mind and that is religion. And all these three have given us partial glimpses, partial aspects of reality. One has led us to identifying with the uh, so-called impersonality or the universal energy behind all seeming separate objects. The other one has led us to uh, discover the being who stands behind all existence. A third one has led us to create a sense of abstraction, something that exists but we don't know, we can neither define it nor understand it. Now, It's very difficult if science doesn't evolve or this search doesn't evolve to really find a meeting point. Science, as we said, takes a very limited instrument and the instrument is limited by its very nature. So if our physical mind remains what it is, if our senses remain what they are, then there is very little that we can really do in terms of understanding reality. Of course we find certain meeting points, for instance we discover an impersonality and universality but that's not what is the impersonality and universality which is behind the cosmos. It's not that. It's simply because the whole universe is built on a single plan. So what we discover at one plane is also found at another plane. Well the atom is like a galaxy and the galaxy is like the cosmos and everything around the divine, is around a divine center. That's simply because the whole universe is built upon a single plan. But this cannot be extrapolated onto the other. So this is one of the problems. Whereas spirituality, leaving aside the different paths, engages with the reality with the whole being, and therefore I find it something much more complete and satisfying. Science for the search of reality cuts off emotion, cuts off will, or uses it in only a small way cuts off all other layers of the mind and isolates a small part, that part which is heavily dependent on the senses. Whereas, spirituality engages it because it starts with this basic experience that reality is total. So, being stands behind this entire play. There is an infinite personality of the Godhead who stands behind this brute machine. And that is the beauty of this, uh, this, uh, this journey, this spiritual journey. So how are they going to meet, not so long as we remain caged in the limits of the mind? If we remain at the level of the mind, then we have to say what um, uh, you know is there in Savitri. If mind is all, renounce the hope. Because really, if mind is ultimate, then we cannot really reconcile. But if there is a consciousness beyond the mind, then we have to ascend there. And then the whole view will change. The entire paradigm, we talk about all these paradigms, based on a little view. Uh, We can take a small example. Uh, I see the clock ticking. So I'm just uh, rushing, suppressing all instinct for stories, etc. But nevertheless, (laughs) nevertheless, no, that's fine. That's fine, thank you. So nevertheless, uh, it's uh, supposing all the um, things that are hidden from a physical view. We know that senses, the physical senses register only a small limited amount of uh, what we call as reality, and so do the ears. Supposing all this reality were to burst upon us simultaneously, what would be our experience? Probably the whole scientific paradigm will change. What is the science of uh, of the crow? Even a crow uses a science. In fact, it's the prototype of the scientist who puts stone uh, inside a pitcher and makes the water come up. Uh, Every day I had to watch that uh, little thing in front of the nursing home. Thank God it's gone. But it was a reminder that, look, he's a scientist. So there's nothing great in being a scientist. We need to do something better than a crow. We have a whole mass of data inside us, which we ignore. This inner world is teeming with infinite forces, energies, clash of uh, beings, forces, and uh, consciousnesses, different domains of existence. It's such a wonder, uh, wonderful universes which we need to explore. And only when we have done it, and then we return our gaze on to this world of matter and life and mind, that we will discover the true meaning of all this and the true science. That's why in ancient Indian traditions we had two kinds of science. vidya. One is called as avidya by its very nature. It's a science of the ignorance. Mother puts it in the same volume, thoughts and aphorism, that what we call as science is a science of appearances. We study appearances, try to understand the processes and fine, I mean it's good, but nothing great about it. You may understand everything about a car, but it gives no meaning. Who is driving it? Who created it? Where is it going? All these things are relevant to the human quest. Uh, It's not enough just to understand the car and its uh, dynamics. So this is avidya. It's an ignorant science or if you like, it is called aparavidya, the lower vidya. And there is paravidya, the science of the spirit. And for that, to pass from avidya to paravidya, uh, it makes a logical sense that if we really have to pass to the beyond, and if the beyond is something that far exceeds our limited intelligence and our limited cognition and our limited senses, then there is but one way. And the way is to make a whole-scale surrender. Surrender of the questing mind. So let me end with a small little story and then just a few lines of Savitri uh, for sure, three minutes. Uh, stories from the Ramayana, it's about a little crow who wants to understand who is this fellow sitting along with his uh, brother and uh, his wife in the jungle, you know Rama, story Rama. So this crow, he's the younger brother of Indra. It is a very, a very very symbolic story, but I'll not go into all the details. So he comes and wants to test that people say he's divine, is it really true? So he pecks at the feet of uh, Sita. And Rama is quiet, but Lakshmana can't take it. So he, you know, puts an arrow on the bow and, you know, goes behind Now uh, Jyant runs because, you know, he, he is, after all, child of uh, Indra and he can really fly very fast. But as he goes, wherever he goes, he finds the arrow following him. He goes to one god after another, but all of them say, look, this arrow, I have no choice. And eventually, finally, he is given a very wise counsel. You know, why don't you do a very simple thing? This arrow has been let loose from there. Go back, surrender yourself at the feet and you will find all your answers and the arrow will be returned back. So after the entire journey, he comes back and surrenders himself at the feet of Sita, who is not, none other but, you know, divinized earth nature, which is a possibility of the future. And he surrenders himself and he escapes uh, the entire journey. So this is how science is proceeding. It will go to the limits of avidya or um, upper avidya. But to go to Paravidya, it has to shed that mortal attire and enter and pass through the doors by the grace of the divine. And this, for that, we have to turn our gaze inwards. So long as we are outward gazing, however far we may go, we will miss that meeting point. Let me quickly conclude with this line. An inconclusive play is Reason's Toil. This is from Savitri. And so long as we base ourselves on reason, we cannot really find that meeting point. We have to transcend it. Uh, we have to be yogins, actually, in, in short, to really find the meeting between spiritual experience. Uh, so far the mind experiences the spirit, it cannot reconcile spirituality and science. We have to ascend beyond the mind. And inconclusive place, reasons, toil, each strong idea can use her as its tool. Accepting every brief she pleads her case, open to every thought she cannot know. The eternal advocate seated as judge, armors in logics invulnerable male, a thousand combatants for truth's veiled throne, and sets on a high horseback of argument to tilt forever with a wordy lance. So this is full of humor actually, this whole passage. A bullock yoked in the cart of proven fact. She drags huge knowledge bales through matter's dust to reach utility's immense bazaar. As if, (laughs) Savitri is full of humor actually. It's not difficult. As if she knew not facts are husks of truth. The husks she keeps, the kernel throws aside. An ancient wisdom fades into the past. The age's faith becomes an idle tale. God passes out of the awakened thought. And old discarded dream needed no more. Not only ether, we have done away even with God. Old wife's tale. Only she seeks mechanic nature's keys. Our thoughts are parts of the immense machine. Our ponderings but a freak of matter's law. The mystic's lore was a fancy or a blind of soul or spirit. We have now no need. Matter is the admirable reality, the patent, unescapable miracle, the hard truth of things, simple, eternal soul. This is what, we have reached this point already, but uh, we have to go still further. Uh, In fact, we have reached one more step ahead. One chance remained that here might be a power to liberate man from the old inadequate means, this about the nuclear energy, and leave him sovereign of the earthly scene, for reason then might grasp the original force to drive her car upon the roads of time, all then might serve the need of the thinking race, an absolute state found orders absolute. Well this goes on, and finally these last four lines, so might it be if thy spirit fell asleep. Thank God the paradigms are breaking, and man is learning to not to be mesmerized by science. we are dehypnotizing ourselves. Uh, man then might rest content and live in peace, master of nature who once her bond slave worked. If life's dire heart arose not in revolt, this where science misses out the quest for a total. Truth. If God within could find no greater plan, but many visast is the cosmic soul. A touch can alter the fixed front of fate. A sudden turn can come. A road appear. A greater mind may see a greater truth. That's what is the essence. Or we may find, when all the rest has failed, hid in ourselves the key to perfect change. So, science and spirituality parted ways from the consciousness of man, went in two seemingly opposite directions. They have returned back to man and within man is the meeting point. From man, the mental being, to man, the psychicized being, to man, the spiritual and the supramental being, is the way to reconcile science and spirituality. Thank you.